This is To The Point with Marcus Amick, where we cut through all the noise to discuss the things that matter most driving the world of automotive sales. Let's get to it. This week's guest on To The Point is Brian Armstead. Brian is editor-in-chief of Treads Magazine, segment host of You Auto Know on KCBQ Radio, and a contributor to ForbesWheels.com, TheDetroitBureau.com, and TravelingDad.com, to name a few. The veteran automotive journalist who has more than 45 years of media experience is also a juror for the North American Car, Truck, and Utility Vehicle of the Year Awards, which recently announced its winners for 2022, the focus of this edition of To The Point. Hey, Brian, thanks for joining us. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Marcus. Uh, It's always good to hear your voice. I love your program. So thanks for having me on today. So look, Brian, let's get right into it. Let's talk about this year's winners for North American Car, Truck, and Utility Vehicle of the Year, also known as NACTOY, the Honda Civic, the Ford Maverick, and Ford Bronco. What what gave these vehicles the edge? Well, you know, that's a great question. And for me, as one of 50 jurors at, of the North American Car, Truck, and Utility Vehicle of the Year Awards, it was all about a common sense pick. You take the Civic, for example. You know, that's a car that's from low 20s to high 20s. Six-speed manual transmission is available. Heck of a safe, small sedan in a market where sedans are rare. And it just does everything right. It's big enough for a guy like me. I'm 6'9", 275 pounds, have plenty of headroom. Uh, the performance of the car is, is Honda Civic-like, which means... You know, and Honda Civics have gained a reputation for being platforms that you can tweak. But right out the box, this thing's a winner in terms of performance and acceleration and handling. And it just seemed to make a lot of sense to me. I mean, when you think of the Lucid Air, one of the competitors for Car of the Year, uh, it just didn't, you know, just didn't make a lot of sense for me. And the, uh, the VW Golf and GTI variants, great vehicles, probably a close second when you look at all the points that were tabulated. Another sensational uh, sedan, four-door platform, rather, or two-door platform from Volkswagen. So it just made a lot of sense. I, I just could not justify in my mind voting for a car that hasn't really done anything yet. I mean, except for impress and wow journalists all across the nation. It's a sensational vehicle, and I'm talking about the Lucid Air. But the Dream Edition, the first one they came out with, was $169,000 for an 1,100-horsepower electric car, wow. full electric car. Um, you know, I, I, I don't quite think that America is ready for full electric. There are people who have adopted the technology early, Marcus. You know, the success of Tesla cannot be denied. But then you have the Nissan Leaf, the early variants of the Nissan Leaf and the uh, Mitsubishi Miev. So, you know, it's still a, a nascent industry. They're developing. There are a lot of good platforms out there. Will be the propulsion of the future. I just think that right now, you know, if you look at this year's winners, they're all gas-powered vehicles. So yeah, I think that, yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, I wanted to get into that a little bit later. Um, yeah. But yeah, for sure. So uh, that's car of the year, Honda Civic, sensational choice. I had had no doubt in my mind that once I drove it that that was the one I was going to vote for. 
Okay. And so, and so what about the truck? What, what uh, makes, yeah. What gave okay. you? I didn't realize, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you wanted me to go through all three right now. Mark. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm, yeah, for yeah. sure. So Let's Ford Maverick, another no brainer. Marcus 199 for a hybrid pickup truck that has a five and a half foot bed is, has plenty of room inside and get this 50 plus miles per gallon in day-to-day driving. I was stunned when I got 57 miles a gallon on a steady loop around Ann Arbor, Michigan. 57. So even if I put my foot in it, I'm in the high 40s. If I mash the accelerator every time I go out, I'm still in the high 40s with the hybrid hybrid powertrain. Now, they have a gasoline, you know, a four-cylinder powertrain that's also available. But for me, it's the hybrid that I think works. The base model, if I bought a Maverick, I'd get the 199 model with the steelies on it, the steel wheels, I think it's a sensational uh, buy at 199. If you can find one during this chip shortage and vehicle shortage for 199, snap it up. Even with a you know an additional deal of markup of a, a thousand two whatever, it's still a great buy. It's just one heck of a fine product from Ford. Take for example the back seat. You can fold it up and put a bicycle in the back seat of the of the uh, of the Maverick. They also have a lot of different points throughout the car in the back seat and the front seat and in the bed where you can 3D print items. They have barcodes that you can scan. And if you have a 3D printer, you can make your own cup holders or phone holders or special racks. Um, they have all kinds of videos online on YouTube where you can build things in the bed. A, a, a bicycle a rack that you know mounts to the front part of the bed. Just It's just a very versatile vehicle for those who don't need the size and the expense of an F-150, a Silverado, a Ram, you know, if, if I'm living in Detroit, I don't need a big old American pickup truck. If I want to go to Home Depot or Costco, if I want to stick my bike in the back, this Maverick really fits the bill well. Uh, utility vehicle of the year. Uh, I was kind of torn on this one because I love the Ford Bronco, the winner this year. It does everything right, Marcus. It's just noisy as all get up, and it's a purpose-built sport utility for off-roading. I mean, this thing is built to be wild. I mean, that's the, the theme behind the Bronco, you know, a, a fucking Bronco built wild, and it is built wild. And it's got big tires, and, it's you know, you got to step up into it. Uh, my girlfriend's 5'2", and she has to climb up into it. Um, you know, it's it's great. But I don't go off-roading every day of the year. And if it's a, it's a vehicle that you use for steady state commuting or, or you know, just around the, around town driving, it gets a little tiring after a while with all the road noise and all the, you know, the suspension is built taut because it has so many different terrains that you have to handle. So I voted for the, uh, the GV70 uh, Infiniti. Uh, it did not win Hyundai Ionic 5, another electric vehicle was a choice in that category that did not win, but it's just, a, you know, everything is, it was, there were great choices. I just thought the uh, GV70 was a little more realistic because it offers the luxury that I still think most Americans want in a utility vehicle. When you look at the success of the Range Rover and the G-Wagon and the, you know, the Ford Expedition and the big mm-hmm. Escalade, you know, people like a lot of luxury, but Bronco, the marketing campaign from Ford was brilliant for the Bronco. And it deserves to win on the sense that it is a terrific vehicle. Wasn't my choice, but there are 50 jurors, and that's that's the beauty of the of the panel. 
since we have a wide swath of opinions to to vote for this vehicle of these vehicles of the year, Marcus. You know, let's talk about the Ford Bronco, because there's been a lot of conversation about whether or not the Ford Bronco can compete with the Jeep Wrangler or does it need to compete with the Jeep Wrangler? Uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be very upfront. I'm a Jeep Wrangler owner. Right. So I've always been a little bit partial to the Jeep Wrangler. But in your opinion, is it is it now the Bronco? Is it a viable competitor to the Jeep Wrangler when you look at the totality of the Jeep Wrangler? And what I mean by that is not just from capabilities, but from the brand equity that 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 the Wrangler has been able to maintain in the market. Well, I mean, think about the brand equity that Ford has with their Bronco. You look at the prices of, you know, 1990s Broncos, late, you know, late 80s, 1990s Broncos. They're through the roof, Marcus. So there's a there's a group out there that has always been dedicated. It's like the early Toyota FJs, you know, the the um, the, the Land Cruisers and those early Toyota off-roading vehicles and the early Land Rover Defenders from 1995 or whatever year that was. I mean, um, these vehicles have a following that is cult-like. So when they reprised the name and brought this Bronco back out, there was a rabid group of folks who said, okay, I'm in. And a lot of Jeep, you know, they've conquested a lot of Jeep owners. And if I had to buy a Jeep or Bronco, hands down on the Bronco. And, and, and one reason for me, and this is not a reason, I know you're a tall guy, but I'm six foot nine and I just have more room in the Bronco. The Jeep is hella fun to drive. It's just sensational. You know, I've done all, I've never done Moab, but I've done some extreme off-roading in Jeeps. It is the standard still. You have clubs and rodeos and parades. I mean, it's just a terrific vehicle. You can pop off a panel and, you know, you got a sunroof or you have a cloth top. You can take the doors off. You can fold the window down, windshield down. We can do all of this on a Bronco. It's a larger vehicle. It's a wider track vehicle, so that to me that says more safety because size does matter in terms of impact protection. Absolutely. And a wider track does matter in terms of rollover reduction. Uh, so personally, I would choose the Bronco. Either way you go, there's sensational choices. Uh, you know, as the Bronco starts to develop, we'll see if the uh, you know the four cylinder can hold up under the strain of off-roading and, and long-term reliability but that 2.7 liter um, EcoBoost V6 is one heck of a nice engine this thing is extremely capable off-road and you know starts at $29,000 Marcus that's that's a hard price point to beat when you look at what you get in return it's a great vehicle just a little noisy for me but you know I I drive Mercedes and you know, I'm kind of a snob, you know, I go home in a Rolls Royce or a Bentley, so I'm kind of snobbish in that regard. But yeah, I think um, those who are into that kind of, hey, I want to I want to live life with some excitement, either choice, Jeep, uh, Bronco, you, you can't go wrong with either one, Marcus. They're just both terrific vehicles. Brian, if we can, can we talk about the, the selection process? I've always been curious about that. How are among all of the vehicles, how how is how are these vehicles selected? Can you talk well, about the process a little? Yeah, manufacturers let it be known that they want to uh, have their cars included into the uh, list of um, you know can, uh, candidates for the year. So initially, 37, 36 to thirty seven vehicles 
are selected by the NACTOY uh, group to, to uh, make that eligible list of vehicles. Then you have a couple of rounds of voting. First round narrowed uh, finalists down to this uh, to semifinalists rather. There were twenty three semifinalists, and then we had nine finalists, three in each category, and then the three um, winners. Of course, uh, you know we're supposed to judge based on segment leadership, innovation, handling, design, safety, value for the dollar, and driver satisfaction. And uh, ultimately, Deloitte LLP, it's a, you know, it's a accounting agency and they uh, they tally all the ballots and they remain in sealed envelopes until the announcement is made. The announcement, of course, was made last week or the week before. I've kind of lost track of time here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and it, it's a great process. And we've, we've been doing this. I've been on the panel for just over two years now, but the North American Car, Truck and Vehicle of the Year Awards were started in 1994 and uh, they're the longest running vehicle awards not associated with the publication like motor trend or car and driver and things of that nature how important is that i, I, I know they mentioned that a lot yeah i think it's important because the the you know the balance and the uh, i'm not saying anything against motor trend but you know, I don't know what the process is for selecting their vehicle of the years. If and if any ad dollars are involved in it, you know that could be that could sway somebody. If you know, if you and I don't know this to be a fact, so let me right. make that sure, perfectly sure. clear. But it just it just provides that you know that barrier that buffer you need to to ensure impartiality. I think when um you know when you're not judging for a publication, and I work for Forbes. And Forbes has their vehicles of the year. And I voted for vehicles of the year for Forbes. But I didn't make a paycheck out of that. It was just part of a process. And, um, you know, it's just it's just part of what goes on, you know. And I think yeah, it's yeah. a fair, uh, impartial view of, uh, of, the ve- of the vehicles that are coming out. And, uh, you know, as we move forward next year, year after that, we're going to see more electric vehicles become part of the process. You know, been fast from Vietnam and, uh, Rivian uh, was one of the semifinalists this year. They have a RT1 pickup truck that's sensational. So we're going to see more exciting vehicles in the years to come, Marcus. You know what? Uh, and in mentioning, in kind of closing and wrapping up, in mentioning and talking about the EVs and the fact that there were some some contenders, um, electric vehicles that were contenders in the run for this early on, but none of them made it as as the final vehicle selected. When do you see the idea of us fully embracing this from the perspective of NACTOY or from the consumer perspective, this, this idea of, a, of electric vehicles? Well, I'll go from a consumer perspective because that's all that really matters. You know, our opinions are great, but they're just the opinions of 50 people across North America. So, you know, you take that for what it's worth. I'm proud to be on the panel. I don't mean to denigrate the panel in any way. It's an honor to be on it. But the bottom line is, who's going to dealerships to buy what? That's the bottom line. And if the infrastructure is lagging, and it is, then I think that there will still be, I, I see a 10-year period before Americans start to fully embrace, um, you know, electric vehicle technology. You know, you got to buy a charger for your house. I mean, think about traveling. Have you ever traveled from from the Maryland or south up to up north on I-95, Marcus? Yes, yes. Can you imagine the lack of infrastructure and you've got 
electric vehicles plying I-95, and you get to New Jersey, for example, with their very nice uh, gas station areas, you know, rest areas and all, I could imagine that even if they built a 500-vehicle charging area, that if people adopt this technology faster than the infrastructure can keep up with it, we literally see mile-long, several-mile-long backups on I-95 with vehicles waiting to charge so they don't run out of, of juice, you know, between between stations or between states. So, um, right. you know, the Build Back Better program that, that Biden, President Biden has put forth, you know, it's caught in political uh, gamesmanship. And, you know, it, it has significant funds uh, set aside for infrastructure, including electric vehicle charging station infrastructure nationwide, which creates a lot of jobs. So we'll see. You know, a lot of manufacturers have committed to full electrification. Audi, Volvo, Hyundai, Cadillac. And the list will just grow as time goes on. You know, Albert Bierman, one of my gods in the industry, who was the father of M, was let go from Hyundai because they're closing their the research of, of and development of combustion engines, internal combustion okay. engines. Wow. So um, we'll see. I'm not, you know, I, the only reason I'm putting a charger on my house is because, you know, I may have two, like two weeks ago, I had a, a Kia Nero and a Mazda MX-30 outside. And, uh, you know, I plugged in the uh, Nero right before the big snowstorm we had, you know, with the, which had that several mile long backup on I-95. People right. were stuck. I plugged it in for three days, but that's how long it took for me to get 250 miles of range. When I first plugged it in before the snow, uh, it said, okay, Brian, come back in 53 hours and you're good to go for a full charge. That was on my 115 uh, house you know, outlet. Wow. So I need to invest in a level two charger. If a manufacturer wants to give me one, that that's great even. You know? <laughs> right. And when I say a manufacturer, I mean like Electrify America or you know one of the other EV charging companies, for not sure. Ford or Toyota or for something sure. like that. Um, and yeah, I, um, I'm going to buy one because I have to review them and it's a pain in the, you know what, to plug them in. So I'll invest in a charging station, but most people, you know, if you live in Washington, DC or downtown Detroit, where are you going to put a charger in your apartment building? Now they may have some units, they may have some spaces downstairs, but 10 or 20 spaces is a lot. When you have a tall high rise full of people who want parking, not charging, they want parking. So you develop those spots for people who need charging, and then you take away from people who need parking. And, you know, do you want those cars to stay there after they charge and then go park? And that creates a strain on the, um, you know, what uh, real estate uh, developers have to do and what, you know, the, the power, how is that shared? You know, is this a complimentary service or is it a pay service? Because a lot of people go to parking uh, charges. They just leave them there all day because they can pay for juice and have free parking also. Right. I see that in a lot of urban environments. So there's still a lot of things to be worked out, Marcus. But, uh, you know, as they always say, stay tuned. Uh, the future is, the future is coming pretty fast. Absolutely. Well, Brian, I want to thank you again for taking the time and bringing us up to speed with NACTOY, the winners, and giving us a little bit insight of insight on the future of electric vehicles. Yeah, you can go to NorthAmericanCarOfTheYear.org. If you want to check out uh, more on the uh, process and the winners, Mark, it's great to be on with you, my brother. Always good to talk to you. You too, Brian. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, back to the noise.